Hello and welcome to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and as always, Ben is beside me, you know, 800 miles away, but I'm sure he's pretty happy that he's 800 miles away because I probably smell like a squirrel just rolled in a skunk carcass after I just got done working out. Ben, how you doing, big guy? (laughs) Um, I'm doing really good, 800 miles away. That's kind of where I want to be right now, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but uh, about a week and a half ago, we were actually right side by side, and we were just kind of drumming up ideas why we didn't get the opportunity to record, but we didn't, unfortunately. So we're again 800 miles away, recording like we usually do, but I think the chemistry is stronger than ever. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, even if we would have tried to uh, when you were here last week, I think we started drinking early enough that the show just would have been a mess. Oh, it was bad. It was <laughs> it was bad. I think I think I was worse off than Ben was. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty toast. You were toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the bed spins about 10 minutes after going to bed and it was kind of downhill from there, but uh <laughs> Ross happens. and Chandler from Friends brought me through it. <laughs> Now nah, that happens. Everybody goes through that at least once. So <laughs> it was the best of times. That was the worst of times. <laughs> anyway, we're glad to be back um, again with episode fifty-eight uh, for this month in music history for January, kicking off twenty nineteen. We hope all of our listeners out there had a wonderful holiday and New Year's with friends, family, and everyone in between. We're great to have you back, and thanks so much for sticking with us. But we are. Back on track with Young Nostalgia kicking off 2019. Our resolution is to be a better podcast. How's that? Sound pretty good? Sounds good. Uh, You know, it has uh, very little guidelines in there, so it's very vague. So I guess it can be up to interpretation. So, you know, we can improve. I mean, we were already a great podcast, so how can we get much better? So if we, (laughs) we set that very vague bar, it's easy to justify that we made the goal. So I like that. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. That is that is the young nostalgia way. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's not like uh, it's not like setting a goal of hey, we're gonna put the podcast out on time every single week this year because that would be unattainable. Um, <laughs> that would be unattainable. <laughs> <laughs> so we just gotta say, yeah, we're gonna be better in general. <laughs> I love it. And that can, yeah, you're right. Such a multitude of ways could we be better. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I love it. Episode 58 coming your way this month in music history for January. One quick little side note. I hope everyone enjoyed their time and was able to take advantage of real big stitch for the holiday season of getting handmade knitted items for the friends, family, and everyone in between. So without further ado, Ben, why don't you kick us off with the brand new year back in 1958 on January 1st. All right. So as Nolan said, January 1st, 1958, Johnny Cash performs at San Quentin State Prison. And uh, this is quite an iconic performance. That's what, you know, so many... uh, Songs are kind of based around this. It's what everybody thinks about when they think of Johnny Cash. Um, and so that's kind of where all hit, a huge part of his persona comes from. Um, so I that, just think it's so interesting that something so prominent as like a concert in a prison was so big. I mean, 
to be honest, I never really knew that concerts in prison really happened. I mean, I guess <laughs> it's understandable because you want to keep the morale high so, sh- you know, shenanigans don't go down. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is kind of a weird thing to think about, but, you know... It, you know, I guess every once in a while, you you got to do something to where it's you know, I, you don't want gigantic scale riots going on. So, you know, doing right. little stuff here and there, I guess, uh, I guess would uh, be a hedge against that. How funny would it be if they if the prison actually still made them take money off their books to buy tickets to see him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would. Be kind of ridiculous. <laughs> all right, you can. But all right, finish all right. Off so first. also on January first of nineteen eighty nine, Nirvana signs a deal with Sub Pop Records. Good stuff. Big stuff. I don't really have anything else more to go on that. I'm not a huge Nirvana fan, so I don't. Uh... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everyone loves to, uh, the 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 smell of Teen Spirit and all that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sm- yeah. That's kind of a obviously the main hit that you hear all the time, and honestly, I don't think I could even name any other songs. <laughs> Not really, <laughs> unless they were like plopped down in front of me. Nope. <laughs> right. That's okay. Right. That's all right. January second, nineteen seventy-five, the Allman Brothers Band are named Outstanding Community Organization by the Georgia Department of Corrections. <laughs> I just thought that was fitting to put in here because I, th- I thought it was pretty funny that the Georgia Department of Corrections named the Allman Brothers Band Outstanding Community Organization. What an award! <laughs> I I think that's funny that it also comes right after Johnny Cash performs. Well, it's not timeline wise; it's not right after, but being on January second, it's right, right. after Johnny right. Cash performs at San Quentin. Um, <laughs> I can just see on their next like studio album presenting the Allman Brothers Band, the outstanding community organization, as awarded by the Georgia Department of Corrections, featuring the hit new single "Blah Blah Blah." <laughs> does the uh, does the Georgia Department of Corrections have like the little seal they put on the albums? Kind of like was it Oprah has the thing that goes on the books? You know that? Oh, this oh is my Oprah approved, <laughs> or it's you know like the some books have like the little gold emblem up in the corner saying it's like a really good book or something you know right like new york times bestseller or something like that yeah yeah this is a uh georgia (laughs) department of corrections approved right right (laughs) oh that's fantastic (laughs) all right january 3rd 1945 stephen stills of crosby stills and nash is born um Notice how they left out young. Oh, yeah, we did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, went downhill with young anyway, so. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Did you just say that out loud? Yep, I sure did. (laughs) All right. um, Also on January 3rd, just a year later, John, excuse me, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin is born. Uh, we've obviously talked about Led Zeppelin quite a bit in the past, and I believe they pop up again at some point later in this show. Um, yeah, man. Jimmy Page, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I remember reading that. But lastly, we have on also on January 3rd of 1953, Hank Williams uh, dies at 29 years old. Um, 
a little bit of background on kind of what went down that night. Uh, he was out on tour, um, had been injected with two shots of vitamin B12, um, which also contained a quarter grain of morphine on New Year's Eve after a concert in Canton, Ohio. Um, and because of all this, uh, Williams was carried to the car uh, due to a very insistent coughing and hiccuping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? It's not funny, but it, it kind of is. The story is, uh, right. once they set on the road and stopped for gas, he was found dead with uh, kind of surrounded in the back of the, the limo with surrounded by empty beer cans and unfinished song lyrics. Um, the autopsy found hemorrhages in the heart and neck and was pronounced, the, the cause of death was pronounced an insufficiency in the right ventricle of the heart. Um, you know, that's kind of the clinical cause of death. A huge part of this is also due to complications from uh, very long-term alcohol and drug dependence, which all stemmed from a rather mild but still painful undiagnosed case of spina bifida occulta. Um, <laughs> so there was never Man. really anything done about that, and that kind of led to his dependence on pretty much anything that would numb the pain. Right, right. And that's why you know morphine was kind of intermixed with his daily shot of vitamin. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, what a, just huh. a cocktail of drugs. Right. Yeah. Jeez. So... All right, that was kind of a long one. You go ahead and take the next one. All right, January 3rd, also, um, but back in 1964, so get this, the Beatles actually make their first appearance on U.S. television. So even before the Ed Sullivan Show, what happened is that the Ed Sullivan Show was the first one to actually have the Beatles over on U.S. soil and perform live. Mm -hmm. But the Beatles actually make their first appearance on U.S. TV that was shown in a clip on the Jack Parr show. And this was when Jack Parr was over um, in England and actually uh, caught a small little clip of footage of the Beatles performing there and then aired it. I tried to find what song the Beatles were playing at the time, but uh, nothing really came up. But it's okay. kind of interesting to see how the Jack Parr show was the ones kind of first bring the Beatles into the living room of U.S. Um, citizens. So that's kind of where that lands. Kind of neat. Never knew that. Yeah, it is pretty neat. And I'm sure a lot of that... Uh I'm sure it sparked a lot of curiosity, which in turn led to them um, being on the Ed Sullivan show anyway. Uh, right. It was kind right. of a, a foot in the door kind of kind of thing. Exactly. Um, you want me to keep on going then? Yep, go ahead and take January 4th too. Sure. January 4th, 1950, RCA Victor announces that it will begin manufacturing long-playing or LP records back in 1950. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, just changing of the format, I believe, is is something that was so big back in the day, and, and it's kind of interesting how uh, something also comes up about how um, records or vinyl or LPs are were going to go out of business or you know production due to the cassette. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Mm -hmm. And you know this kind of. The LP kind of sparked, it wasn't a, a major change, but it was a kind of a, a response to a frustrating problem caused by the LPs. A lot of 
um, especially the automatic record players, not even ones that had uh, automatic changers, just the ones that would, you know, automatically when the record finishes, uh, it would move the needle over into the rest position, um, where it would actually trigger that mechanism before the record was finished playing. Um, oh. Which, you know, it's not a huge uh, technological advancement that, you know, stemmed from that with just making, changing the trigger point of the arm. But uh, something that definitely was a problem and would be rather frustrating, you know, if your record player keep kept shutting off midway th- or uh, towards the end of a record. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> Going forward, January 4th in 1964, Leo Fender sells the Fender Guitar Company to CBS for $13 million. I guess I never really realized how soon the the Fender Guitar Company changed hands. You know what I mean? I mean, Fender's just been a huge player. Ha, get it? <laughs> that was I a stupid joke. Yeah, that a was bad. A huge player in just guitar, <laughs> guitar design history that I guess I never knew that CBS took it over that long ago. Yeah, and you know what? I I didn't. I re. I understand that it probably was. It isn't owned by the same by the original founder of the company, but I I, I didn't know that it was necessarily that it was even sold to CBS. Um, right, like a television company. Yeah, it just seems kind of like a an odd, an odd company to take that over. Um, and yeah, I do agree. It does seem really 1964. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that you would expect to happen in, you know, 70s, 80s after it's been around for a really long time, you know, and then they they end up selling. Um, right. Especially for that price. I mean, 13 million dollars in 1964. Jeez, that's huge yeah. amount of money. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing you expect to see in more recent times, not necessarily in 1964. Right. Huh. Us and our millennial mindset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, moving on a little bit to January 6th of 1957, Elvis Presley makes his third and final appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. <laughs> but this is the uh, kind of the classic thing everyone talks about. This is the, the appearance where they only allowed from the waist up to be shown on TV. Right. He just moved too much, man. He was too provocative. Too he provocative. was too erotic. Yes. And uh and so that's kind of where, you know, people talk about it all the time. You see memes of it and stuff here and there, and that's where this all stems from. It's his <laughs> third and final appearance on the Ed Sullivan show. And uh That's funny. Also on January 6th, uh just a year later, kind of keeping in the guitar company rock and roll uh trend here gibson patents the flying v guitar which is also pretty cool this is so yeah that is super cool especially since like you know that whole rock and roll atmosphere was really starting to emerge in the late 50s early 60s you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like chuck berry was getting big yeah and it's that it seems it seems like the flying v guitar came around a lot earlier than i would have guessed um cuz in the 50s right. i mean like i'm thinking like kiss or something like that right exactly and so my my thought process was the in the 50s the 
solid body guitars were obviously out already and they were becoming popular, but kind of the this the old older style hollow body electric guitars were still kind of the main uh the main player in the game still and uh as for a such a out there design for a relatively new uh, emerging style of guitar. It seems it just seems really early for something like that to come along. Right, I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Super cool. Moving on to January eighth, nineteen twenty five. Russian composer Igor Stravinsky appears in his first American concert. That's kind of neat. Actually, one of my friends uh, here in Lincoln, we went to uh, the record store together not too long ago, and she picked up um, a Stravinsky record, kind of like his greatest hits. Oh, that's pretty cool. I can't say I'm, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, it was pretty I'm neat. not really, I don't really know much of anything um, about uh, Stravinsky. I, I mean, obviously I've heard the name, but I haven't. I may have heard some stuff here and there, but I don't even know enough to be able to pick it out. <laughs> Does like uh, Flight of the Bees or something like that sound familiar to you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, that's Stravinsky. Okay. Yeah, I was unaware of that. Cool. All right, man. Sweet. Tagging you in. All right. January 9th, 1944. Back to Led Zeppelin. Jimmy Page is born. Um. Definitely. I like how you're kind of getting the a lot of the people that you you really enjoy, like Hank, and then also um, John Paul Jones, and now Jimmy Page. That's pretty cool. That's true. I'm huge Hank Williams Senior and Junior fan, as well as a Jimmy Page fan. I mean, I I think it's I don't think many people would argue with me when I say that Jimmy Page is among the top guitar players to ever live. Oh, for sure, for sure. Have you heard that there there might be talks of Led Zeppelin doing a small little reunion tour, or at least maybe going back into the recording studio? Oh, really? Um, I remember. Yeah. Uh, what was it? It was three or four years ago, I think. I can't remember the name of the album, but they put out. They did like a a live tour kind of thing, and they didn't they didn't necessarily do a studio album. They did a it was just a live tour album. Um. Oh, okay. Like a compilation of of live music. Yeah, but it's all it was all from a it was all from a new tour. Oh. And it was I mean I I think I have it around here somewhere. I don't even have it saved electronically. It's just on like a 4 CD set or something like that and I'm not a huge fan of live music, listening to live music, so it's I have it just because just because, you know, it's not, I don't really ever listen to it <laughs> cuz it's Led Zeppelin. But uh Right. Yeah, I mean, it's Led Zeppelin, right. so I have every other album, so I need that one. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty cool. I just kind of hope that January eleventh of nineteen. 19- I'm sorry. No, go what ahead. Go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No. No, all I was gonna say no. is, you know, if they do anything new, I just hope that it's, it. I hope it's still good. <laughs> I guess to kind of put it bluntly. Oh yeah. That's true. That's true. Maybe they'll like get into the studio and just decide like but, this was a bad idea and then scrap it. All right. January 11th of 1964. Yep. Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire becomes the first country album to top the US pop pop album chart. Okay. I I mean definitely definitely an iconic um song and album. I mean that's in addition to, you know, the whole uh San Quentin prison thing we were talking about earlier. 
Um, Ring of Fire, both the song and the album, are huge, iconic songs for Johnny Cash. That's one of the first things you think of when anybody thinks Johnny Cash. Right, right. I mean, it's such a popular song in you know movies and everything, too. Like You still hear it common today. Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, continuing on January 11th, 1967, Jimi Hendrix recur- records Purple Haze. Talk about another iconic song that's very closely tied awesome, to a musician. Awesome. Purple Haze of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, that song's yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I I like Jimi Hendrix. I'm not uh, I'm not a super fan by any means. I mean, but I just feel like anyone who is you know into uh, you know any of the uh, genres that we also like, the older rock, that kind of stuff. I mean, you can't not like Purple Haze. Right, right. And then talk about iconic, <laughs> amazing guitarists too, huh? Can't leave Jimi Hendrix out of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's such a uh, a pioneer in a pioneer guitar. I mean, there's so many things that he did that were uh, not really heard before, and so many people after him copied. Right, and especially his style too. How he how he was a lefty but played with a right handed guitar and just held it upside down. <laughs> yeah, just such goofy stuff. Even after, <laughs> even after he became a big name and could obviously afford you know, uh, the correct guitar. I mean, that's, that's what he stuck with. Cause that was his thing. You know, it's <laughs> right. Right. You know, that's it's, what he learned on. And yeah, it's easy to understand why he did it in the first place, just because if that's what he had, that's what he had, you know? Um, right. But to, to stick with it, cause that's your thing. It's also, it's, that's also pretty cool. So it is, it mo- is. moving on a little bit. We're running kind of long compared to, you know, where we're at in the month here. Uh, January 15th, 1967, the Rolling Stones appear on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, but to go along with that, at Sullivan's request, they changed the lyrics from let's spend the night together to let's spend some time together (laughs) for obvious Uh, reasons. It just goes back to the whole times, times are so different and, uh, it's weird to see that the Rolling Stones actually like we're okay with changing the lyrics. Yes. You know what I mean? Because the doors obviously were not. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't turn into one of those, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll change the lyrics. And then it's live TV, so they, you know, just don't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which I could easily see happening, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um. for sure. <laughs> Too funny. All right. Uh, January 16th of 1996, Jamaican authorities opened fire on a seaplane carrying Jimmy Buffett and Bono after mistaking the aircraft for a drug trafficker's plane. No injuries are reported. This is crazy. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, I feel like you have a lot more problems to deal with if you're mistaking a plane for drug trafficking. Yeah, and you just, you, I mean, you, you're not... I just can't believe that you you, you start shooting at a plane without being 100% dead sure. You know, like, (laughs) it just boggles my mind. I read this earlier um, as I was going back through the show prep, and this, it just boggled my mind how this is a thing and how it, like, how have I never heard of this before either? Yeah, dude, I don't know, man. That's super insane. I just feel like it should be such a bigger story than it. I mean, obviously it was in 1996 and it's a while ago, but holy cow. (laughs) I'm surprised Jimmy Buffett didn't write a song about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
like it's you know it would have been like a uh, instead of cheeseburger in paradise have been like cheeseburger under fire or something like that <laughs> cheeseburger under fire <laughs> changed around a little bit oh my bit. god <laughs> right <laughs> that's funny all right, uh, moving on. January 18th of 1973, Pink Floyd begins recording Dark Side of the Moon. And this is the album that is still... I don't know any of the numbers off the top of my head for the popularity of any of their albums, but I have to say that I, if I were to assume Dark Side of the Moon would be their number one album. Um, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, that's that's what... Any Pink Floyd stuff you see nowadays, it's all revolves around dark side of the moon whether it's posters or that you still see in walmart or t-shirts you see people right i mean all dark side of the moon right yeah t-shirts the just the design there's a whole bunch of different takes on the dark side of the moon cover art you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that that people use to incorporate other brands it's it's so iconic i mean an amazing album yeah stuff that's not even pink floyd i mean there's been so many spoofs on Dark Side of the Moon, other companies using that idea and uh, using it as promo for movies and all kinds of stuff. Right. Right. That's insane. January 19th of 1981, Chris Wright, the chairman of the British phonograph industry, predicts the new cassette format will cause the death of vinyl. Check that out. I told you we were going to talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, boy, that's how, so insane. Uh, how right how, was he? Right, <laughs> right. But and then CDs came around, and now look, vinyl is huge today. And I've even started to see a big revival in cassettes. Like I have a really? feeling that cassettes are going to become popular as well. Yeah, like I ordered uh, my favorite band's <laughs> new album, the 1975, and it came in a bundle set of the vinyl record, the CD, and a cassette. And it's like I this is the first cassette I've ever owned. And I don't have anything to play it, nor do I really want to go get anything to play it. So that's, I'm just kind of like, it's insane to kind of see them come back a little bit. That's funny. So does that mean in 15 to 20 years, uh, weird third party MP3 players are going to come back? Oh, I'm sure. Like SanDisk, Sansa MP3 <laughs> players or Zune. Just wait, yeah. dude, Zune's going to come back. Yeah. Is that going to be like the popular thing again? People are going to be pay hundreds of dollars <sighs> for these basically flash drives with a screen on them i don't know uh just one disclosure out there everyone pick up every vhs tape you have (laughs) and keep it because it's going to be huge in the next 30 years yeah guarantee it oh man vhs is (laughs) trash i I know (laughs) the big the big hot commodity is those automatic rewinders where you put it in and then you shut it oh yeah they like rewind it like (laughs) quadruple speed Right. <laughs> uh, That's good stuff. 19, 1943, Janice Lynn Joplin is born. And that rounds out January 19th. I don't know if you have much else to go on that, but feel free to <laughs> nope. truck on forward. <laughs> I do not have anything else to go on that. Moving on to January 20th, <laughs> 1964. Meet the Beatles. The group's U.S. debut is released. Um. I mean, this is gigantic. He, uh, this is obviously after uh, appearance on the Ed Sullivan show. This is uh, where you start to see, you know, the film footage of everyone going absolutely nuts at Beatles concerts. Um, right. 
that's where all of that, most of that footage is stemming from in the early 60s. Right. And I think, I think it's so awesome. Like how simple of a title is that? Yeah. I mean, and how, how perfect is it too? Cause it's like, Hey, here's these brand new guys. Come meet them. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> um, also on January 20th in 1982, Ozzy Osbourne bites the head off of a live bat. <laughs> and then subsequently gets shots for rabies. Yeah. <laughs> That guy is so, I don't, oh my God, that guy is crazy. And I'm sure it's a mixture of just being crazy and years of drug abuse. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like there's an element of just natural crazy that goes on with that guy too. Oh, I know. You can't understand a word he says nowadays. No, and it gets worse and worse every year. It's like, I'm sure part of it is his brain just being fried. Um, it's a mixture of that and also him trying to play up to his persona. There's gotta be a certain part of his speech that's fake. You know what I mean? Right. But right. He probably takes out some fake teeth at the end of the day and could talk just fine. Yeah. He's got like the, the clearest speech in the world when he's not being recorded. (laughs) Yeah. He actually does audio books on the side. (laughs) Yeah. He reads for, uh, uh, uh crap i just had the name the uh the big audiobook people audio audio uh uh oh i know what you're talking about they always have ads on podcasts yeah 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 it's uh darn it i, I guess it doesn't matter at this <laughs> your point first anymore, book but... for free <laughs> yeah yeah like we both know exactly what we're talking about i'm sure everyone else listening is screaming into their listening device Audible, you know, Audible. The name of the thing we're trying to come up with. Audible, Audible, Audible. Yes. Yep. Yep. Boy, we're a couple okay. Of all right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> we we absolutely are. I'm gonna keep this conversation going. Um. January twenty seventh of nineteen eighty four, Michael Jackson suffers second and third degree burns to his head and neck after his hair catches fire from sparks from a pyrotechnic effects during the filming of a Pepsi commercial. Now, I don't have much to add, but other than how how awful would that be to 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 have that happen during a commercial? Like, do you think they edited it out and be like, okay, time to do another take after he was fine? Uh, probably not. It was second and third degree, so it's not like it's like, ooh, ouch, that hurt. Let's go again. That's kind of like, let's go to the hospital now. <laughs> let's go to the hospital now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there's really, you know, shaking that off. <laughs> Just um, throw some dirt in it. Yeah, rub some dirt in that. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, January 27th, 1968, six weeks after his death in a plane crash, Otis Redding's uh, song Sitting on the Dock of the Bay is released. It's a good song. It is a good song. I didn't realize that it was actually released after... Uh, the plane crash that is interesting. Yeah, I had Learned no idea. New every day. <laughs> every day, especially on every recording day. days. Oh yeah, definitely. I've learned so much in the course of, <laughs> over the course of our show preps. Right. And the funny thing is, is if you ask me about it, I don't have any idea. But I've learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I have to have something that will like jog my memory. You know, I can't just like pull it out right. of thin air like that. But uh, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> of course, when is this stuff actually relevant? Like, th- this information is never going to save my life, you know? <laughs> but, Wait, didn't you know Otis Redding's song released after he died? <laughs> oh, darn it. Don't now kill I, me. Yeah, now I have to kill you, so. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so uh, January 28th, 1985, We Are the World is recorded. Um, this is kind of an interesting deal here. Uh, a little bit of background on it. Uh, we Are the World is a song and charity single originally recorded by the supergroup United Support of Artists, or USA, for Africa in 1985. It was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie and produced by Quincy Jones for the album We Are the World. Uh, with the sales... I'm pretty, it, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this in the past. You know, I think we have. Um, it's... Well, I guess we'll talk. I can't remember what we covered before, so I guess we'll hit. I'll hit highlights here again. All right. Um, no, you, you're doing a great job. Thank you. With sales in excess of 20 million copies, it is one of fewer than 30 retail singles to have sold at least 10 million copies worldwide, which is just, I mean, that's amazing. To it is. That's a, an unfathomable number. Fathom, fathomable number. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I do have a list here of all of the included artists on it. It is a gigantic list, so I think I'll kind of go through and hit some of the highlights. Um, included on this single was Dan Aykroyd, uh, Ray Charles, Bob Dylan, Hall & Oates, uh, LaToya Jackson, Michael Jackson, Randy Jackson, uh, <laughs> wait, it's all in alphabetical order. If you couldn't tell, uh, right. Waylon, Je- Waylon Jennings, <laughs> Billy Joel, Cindy Lauper, Huey Lewis in the news. Oh, such is a hitting all the good ones here. Kenny Loggins, Willie Nelson, uh, Steve Perry, Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers, Paul Simon, Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Wonder. I mean, I mean, that's probably half of, I only hit half of the artists here. Just trying to not bore everybody. Um, with read through all of them, but I mean, there's such good names involved with this. I mean, anything that's got Huey Lewis and the news in it is by default. Fantastic. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I wonder if, 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 if the recording studio where they recorded, we are the world is where Stevie wonder was caught catching that microphone when it dropped. Ha. <laughs> you know, that's actually something Brings that it was, all full circle. That was actually something I remember reading about this that was kind of interesting um the let me think about let me scroll back up michael jackson and lionel richie uh they did obviously all of the writing for the lyrics and the song but they also um made they taped themselves giving lessons pretty much on how it should be recorded and so Really? Less than half of these artists actually were in studio together to record it. And I think where they recorded it was actually at uh, Kenny Rogers' recording studio. Side note on that. Uh, But what they did is they they sent out these records for people who couldn't make it. um, Basically instructions on what's going on, how it should be recorded, what it should sound like. And they sent it out to everyone who couldn't make it to record it themselves and then send it back in where it could be overlaid um, 
altogether, which is kind of cool. That is very cool and very insane, mm-hmm. but super, super cool. Right. All right, man. Let's finish out this show. January 30th of 1969, the Beatles performed together for the last time atop of the Apple Records headquarters in London. Actually, I believe it might have been January 31st. I don't know. I put it twice into (laughs) the show notes. So on either January 30th or 31st, the Beatles performed together for the last time on top of the Apple Records headquarters (laughs) in London. Well, the world will never know. Um, You know, young nostalgia (laughs) is... Unclear on this fact, and there—I mean, we are obviously the the uh, distinguishing uh, resource for information like this. So, I guess we'll have to we'll have to just let it go a mystery. <laughs> yeah, did it actually happen? <laughs> a new conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, just to did they actually the show, perform? We wrote down their set list. <laughs> what? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I was kind of bannering off of your conspiracy thing there. Oh, okay, sorry. Go sorry. ahead, carry whole, on, carry our on. whole audio thing, uh, our whole audio uh, between Ben and I has not been ideal for this show. But finishing out, finishing out the show, we, we put on the set list uh, for what they performed on a top of Apple Records. They uh, first came out with Get Back, and I Want, to, I want You, She's So Heavy, Get Back, um, some sort of jam. They have in parentheses. Uh, Don't let me down. I've got a feeling. One after nine oh nine with Danny Boy tease. Dig a pony with a false start and God save the Queen to finish out the set. And that's when the Beatles retired and the Beatles were no more. Nope. And you know that's such a monumental breakup of bands. I mean, arguably one of the biggest. Uh, bands ever they had such a sweeping takeover of the music industry and then for them to um break up such a uh a relatively short period later oh yeah oh yeah that's insane Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 58, This Month in Music History for January, and continuing down the road of retro pop culture with Ben and I. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You'll see our banners on our Podbean page, youngnostalgia.podbean.com. If you enjoy the uh, atmosphere and the content that we put out through this podcast, give us a nice rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us out there on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Player FM, almost anything in between, CastBox, you'll find us out there. Hit that subscribe, hit that like button, as well as shoot us a line if you like what you hear or have suggestions for the show in the future or you'd like to be a guest with Ben and I. Give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much. And Ben, anything else, big guy? Uh, no, I think that was a super fun show. I as I t- feel like I talk about it every month, but I do really enjoy the This Month in History. Uh, I hope everyone else likes it. I enjoy it. The uh, always seems like I learn. Uh, one of the to- one of the show topics that I learn the most on such a wide range of wide range wide range of topics. Wow, that's words are hard right now. Holy cow! Um, <laughs> no worry. <laughs> we always we it happens to us every time. I know. No worries. I like it. Um, I like it. I totally agree with you. 
I totally agree with you. It's always been fun to do this, and I'm glad that we can continue to do this content uh, every month as well as change it up every year for every month. Um, uh, Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. We're glad to be back after the New Year's, and we'll talk to you next week, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.